Born in 1592 in the Highlands of Scotland, and he is still alive. He is immortal. Constantly facing other immortals in combat to the death, the winner takes his enemy's head. And with it, his power. We know the truth about immortals. In the end, there can be only one. May it be Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander. And welcome into Let's Watch Highlander. This is Let's Watch Highlander Season 4, Episode 2, Brothers in Arms. And here to talk with you about it, as we always are, I am Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis, and with me is Audie. And how are you this week, Audie? Doing good, man. Been a good week. Oh, boy. Um, uh, This episode... This episode stirred some things. I got some emotions going. I have, I have thoughts. We have a lot to unpack with this one, I think. Um, yeah, we do. Um, but it's, I'm glad to hear that your week went well. Uh, my week was uh, also quite well. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fully recovered now from my uh, COVID pneumonia debacle. Uh, so that's, that's good. Yeah. I feel like myself again. So no lingering nice. after effects either. Um, now, that's good. And then today it was like 40 degrees out. And snow started melting, and it's giving me that false hope. This is the first of the fault springs. Um, <laughs> we'll have several of these as it will warm up and then get cold and snow again, and then warm up and be muddy and sloppy and then snow again. And it's usually you, this area is usually good for about three of those. Yeah, we got to see what the uh, what are they called? The groundhogs say tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Tomorrow is Groundhog's Day. I always forget that. All right. Uh, so yeah, this is quite the episode. Um, and uh, and we have a Watcher Chronicle this week. Um, it's an old nice. one. It's a, it's a real Ooh. old one. Yeah. So uh, why don't we listen to that and then we'll talk about the episode. Sure. 18 August, 1968. Chronicle of Ian Bancroft. A young Marine was brought into the field hospital today. Both of his legs severely damaged from a mine explosion. It was Sergeant Andrew Cord that brought him in. Carried him on his back. Lord knows how far he carried the young man. I only know it was called because the young man, called Joe Dawson, was muttering about how the Sarge was killed, but he brought me here. And then later on, Sergeant Cord's dog tags were dropped off by his platoon. Young Mr. Dawson may be about to lose his legs, but based on what he's seen and knows now of Cord, he just might be a good recruit for the Watchers. I'm going to have a little chat with him tomorrow. So Duncan and Dawson are getting, getting back from Scotland. Uh, they're at the airport. And while they're getting off of the plane, we see a man dressed in all black setting up a sniper rifle, um, mm-hmm. piecing it together and looking through the scope at Duncan and Joe. Uh, but then Duncan feels the presence of another immortal and um, the sniper shoots and he shoots at that immortal. Uh, there's a man standing there and he gets shot. So Duncan takes off after him and tells Joe, you know, watch this guy. Um, mm-hmm. And... There's a chase. There's a bit of a fight with the masked man. Uh, he's in all black, ski mask, all that kind of stuff. Duncan finally overpowers him, pulls the mask off, and it's Charlie. Charlie! Mac, Holy crap. Yeah, Mac can't believe that Charlie would do this, and so they, they talk, and Charlie, Charlie explains to him that it's a righteous action, that, he, that the guy he shot deserved it. He doesn't... Mm-hmm. Charlie has no idea that the guy he shot is an immortal. Um, right. Duncan tries to explain to him 
tries to tries to warn him off and tell him you know that he can't handle this this sort of thing and uh, meanwhile the the man that he shot it turns out to be an old marine buddy of Dawson's it was his sergeant back in Vietnam yeah um, and uh, his name was Andrew Cord and Cord remembers old Boy Scout Dawson <laughs> yeah and then we get a flashback um when they come back from the flashback Dawson uh, is telling Cord he knows about immortals. Uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of a fun scene too, because you've got this guy who just got shot and came back to life, and he's trying to explain that to a person that he knows. Like he's trying <laughs> Joe's to just sit there, like uh huh, uh huh. It's so great, but he explains to him that he knows um, immortals and asks him who would want to shoot him. Cord's like, eh, it could have been anybody. I got a, I got a long history, and Dawson, mm-hmm. Dawson basically convinces him he's going to keep, you know, he can keep a good secret. Um. So Joe goes to Duncan and kind of explains who Cord is and, and whatnot and, and the fact that he owes Cord his life um, and that, that Cord isn't there for Duncan. So Duncan's like, look, right. that's fine. If he's not here for me, I'm not going to do anything to him. I'll leave him alone. You know, it's, it is what it is. Um, and he also doesn't tell Dawson that it was Charlie that tried to, mm-hmm. tried to kill him. Um, so the next day, Charlie shows up at the dojo, and he's really confused because there's nothing in the news. He talked to people at the airport. He talked to the hospitals. Nobody's reported anybody dying, and he just doesn't know what's going on. And Duncan is still trying to warn him off, saying, you didn't kill him. You, you know, you need to leave this alone, all this kind of stuff. Well, warn him out off without telling him the truth. Yeah, still not telling him. Uh, mean, mm. and then, and then Charlie, he, he asked once again, uh, to Charlie why he tried to kill this guy. And so Charlie explains that, um, this guy killed his girl, Mara, uh, who, when we last saw Charlie, he left with Mara back to the Balkans to help fight mm-hmm. her revolution. So we get a little right. mini flashback of Charlie in the Balkans with her. It turns out that Cord was selling them weapons, but he sold them defective weapons and they lost 40 men in a firefight. So when Charlie goes to confront him about it, um, of course, he shows up at the hotel and, and Cord isn't there because Cord is where Mara is, and he kills Mara. Then he tries to kill Charlie, who gets away. Mm-hmm. Um, so, boy, you know, uh, Charlie wants his revenge, right? So, yeah, he does. So Max's still trying to get him to just leave things alone, but Charlie isn't listening. He doesn't want to hear it. Um, so Duncan goes to Joe's. And uh, and talks to Dawson and tries to set up a meet with Cord and and of course there's a little tension there because Dawson's like I thought you were said you were going to leave him alone and that's when Duncan spills the beans that it was Charlie that shot at him and that he just wants to talk he wants to smooth things out mm-hmm. so Dawson sets it up and they're going to meet at the bar but Charlie shows up right before yeah. Cord does. And, of course, Charlie's still trying to figure out what's going on, and neither Dawson or Mac are, are explaining anything to him. They just keep telling him we need to leave it alone. And he's just, he, he can't wrap his head around it. And he's like, what are you, you know. And then Cord shows up. Charlie goes ballistic, tries to stab him. Um, Duncan gets him out of the bar and basically pleads with him and says, look, for me, please leave this alone. Don't try anything right now. Let me handle it. And reluctantly, Charlie says, okay, and walks away. But now Cord thinks that uh, he has to fight McLeod and basically tells Joe that. And Joe goes to Duncan once again to try and smooth things over and beg him not to fight Cord. 
because not only does he owe Cord his life, but Joe is a watcher because of Andrew Cord, because of what happened in Vietnam. And mm-hmm. as he's trying to explain this to, to Duncan, Cord shows up at the dojo. So he and Duncan have it out. And Duncan beats him, but doesn't kill him. And basically says, Joe Dawson just saved your life. You leave Charlie alone. And, and Cord agrees to it uh, for the Boy Scout, which I just love that he keeps calling him Boy Scout. Yeah. So Cord was lying. And he goes after Charlie anyway. After Charlie goes to the bar to talk to Joe, and Joe still warns him off without telling him the full story, but he does try to appeal to the the military man in Charlie, right? And tries to Mm -hmm. explain to him that, that sometimes somebody has your back and it doesn't matter who they are. You have to, you know, it's a bond that you can't break. Right. So... Charlie leaves the bar and Cord is there waiting for him and they have a fight on a rooftop uh, of like the adjacent building, a knife fight and Cord just kind of toys with him a little bit and then finally stabs Charlie and throws him off the building and leaves him for dead. Mm -hmm. Stabs him in the gut. Yep. Duncan finds him while he shows up looking for uh, Joe, feels that Cord is present, goes outside Cord's nowhere to be found, but he finds Charlie dying. And it's too late. His his wounds are too bad. Um, and while he's dying in Duncan's arms, Duncan finally explains to him that he's an immortal, that Cord is an immortal, mm-hmm. that there's no way Charlie could have killed him regardless. Um, and and so Charlie finally gets the clo- that closure with Duncan. It just took him having to actually die for it to happen. Um and yeah. so Mac ends up going after Cord. And yep. yeah, that's uh that's how things end. Mm-hmm. It's uh it's quite the episode. They they packed a lot into it without it uh again, without it feeling bloated. For sure. Um and like, yeah, I mean there's some there's there's some heavy stuff going on too. Mm-hmm. Like this is another impressive episode. It really is. Um, with how the, how much they put in there without it feeling like there's too much. Yeah. Yeah. And I think first, uh, what we should talk about is our special guest. Yeah. Boy Scout, is that you? <laughs> Joe Dawson. I'll be damned. <laughs> Outstanding. So our main special guest this week is Wolfgang Bodinson, uh, Bodison mm-hmm. as Andrew Cord. Um, I didn't recognize him from anything. Uh, particular, oh, really? um, but uh, apparently you, you did immediately. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, what what do you remember him from? And maybe it'll jog my memory. Lance Corporal Dawson from A Few Good Men. Oh, you know what? Do you know how long Which it's was been his... since I've seen that movie? Yeah, and I I was looking at it, I was trying to figure out where this A Few Good Men was his first acting role ever because he was. Um, Oh, where was he, he? Was, uh, he was he uh, was Rob Reiner's assistant in, on Misery? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. He was Rob Reiner's assistant in a bunch of stuff, and he was working with Reiner doing set location for a few good men. Mm. They were having trouble casting, and Rob just looked at him and was like, "You ever thought of acting?" <laughs> and he had not. He wanted to do writing, producing, that kind of thing. 
So wow. this actually was like Rob Reiner got him into acting That's... with a few good men. <laughs> um, That's a hell of a thing to start off with. That's a yeah. Wow. Okay, so he did uh, acting wise. He's done like Little Big League, some some TV mm-hmm. stuff, Murder She Wrote, ER, Highlander. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. Most Wanted. Is that the? Um, I think that's the one with Keenan Ivory Wayans. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I remember seeing yeah. that. So he's got a part in that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. He was fine. I didn't have a problem with him. Um, I mean, the character itself was kind of generic bad guy, but but they added yeah. the layers of like him with his history with Dawson. So. Mm-hmm. He he almost crossed the line into mustache twirling caricature of a bad guy. He didn't quite get there. Like I think they he, they pulled him back just enough where he wasn't that much of a bad guy, but he was a good he was a good villain that is like very much like they didn't go into why he was that way, but at this point he's just like it's almost like he's a thrill see- thrill seeker. Kind of, yeah. He's point. he he's very self-centered. He thinks only about mm-hmm. himself. He doesn't care about anybody else. Um, right. But I think like he's a bad guy, but it's almost like he is if you distilled down the idea of a meathead military guy. Like mm-hmm. a, like um and and I don't love the term, but what I would think what I kept thinking of is jarhead in the derogatory yeah. sense, in the sense of like right. what people who aren't in the military think of when they think of these kind of like super macho military guys. He's like mm-hmm. that, but distilled even more so. Yeah. Because we see like his his leisure time he spends doing paintball and just wrecking people. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the poetry of war, as he puts it, and right. that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's and they it, don't really go into his background, but no, just casually judging by the sword he has, which seems to be some kind of military dress kind of sword. Mm-hmm. I would, I would guess he wasn't immortal very long before he met Joe and before he was in Vietnam. I can't imagine so that he was no. So it feels like it's just him from then on was was him as an immortal. And it's just, I can't imagine what it would be like somebody going into Vietnam, being immortal, and then coming out of Vietnam and still being immortal and what that does to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he, he very much is um, like military through and through in the whole, I mean, because the scene that we get in the flashback with him that we'll talk about, you know, he, he basically knows that, one of his men in his platoon has done horrible things, but it doesn't matter. He's one of his men in his platoon, so mm-hmm. he's going to protect him because they, he just wants to get everyone out alive. So, right. again, it's that kind of distillation of like that whole persona, and it just kept mm-hmm. feeding itself, and he doesn't right. know anything else. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find if there's anything on Andrew Cord. Um, as a character. And obviously his character stayed kind of inside the bounds of military stuff. Cause he's selling arms to uh, Mara and them in the Balkans. Yeah. yeah. So it, you got to think that he's, if he can't be in the military, he's going to be close to it in some way, shape or form. Yeah. But he's also like, 
again, just sort of looking out for himself and like, yeah, he's selling weapons, mm -hmm. but he's selling obviously poor weapons right. for full price and just taking money. So now he's just a war profiteer. Mm -hmm. um, right. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of depth that they could have gone into or that we could get had he not just been mm -hmm. introduced and then killed. But like, right. The fact that the thing that makes him not a a completely irredeemable character is, yes, he did try to cover up what the Marine did to the woman in the Vietnam village. But then he risks everything to carry Dawson out of that village 16 miles right. to a field hospital and does so without revealing who he is, right? Mm -hmm. Because the field hospital doesn't know. They just said, yeah, somebody staggered in with you, but, you know, he's gone now type of thing. So it's right. like he wasn't always completely irredeemable, but he, he hasn't done much to help himself in the intervening time. And he's just mm -hmm. gotten more and, and more into that, like, survival instinct and survival mode. Right. Um, and he doesn't know how to back down either. And the thrill seeker part of it, I think, that you mentioned is perfect because he does mm -hmm. kind of feel that way um, in a lot of yeah. ways. And he talks about how, you know, guys like us, we don't walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I think to service this particular story – that works because now we have somebody who basically can flip like that and go after Duncan and Charlie just because he just, he, that's what he does. Right. Cause he's not there. There's no history between him and McLeod. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I thought overall, I thought he was fine. Um, oh so, yeah. And, and it was a good character and it was a good kind of moral dilemma for Joe to go through, which we'll talk about a little bit too. Yeah. Um, so it gives Joe some depth as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Outside of that, there's really nobody else in this episode that isn't uh, kind of a main characters. You know, uh, Liliana Kamaraskawa um, mm -hmm. uh, as Mara is there for a brief period of time, but she doesn't have a whole lot to do. Um, and Chris yeah. Bradford as young Joe Dawson is fine, but yeah, you know, it's really it's really about Duncan, Joe, Charlie, and um, and Cord. That mm -hmm. is the, and, and again, it's a simple, simplified story and a simplified cast that makes this work yeah and, and can make us, can give us all this story without it feeling bloated. So, right. Mm -hmm. But speaking of flashbacks, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about that. He's an immortal. This can't be real. It's real. Who are they? Why are they here? Biggest questions on Earth, Joe. That's why we watch. Why we record their lives. Why we don't interfere. So our flashbacks, we had a mini flashback of Charlie and the Balkans um, that I talked mm -hmm. about in the recap. Not much there. Um, can, but Can I just say it was funny that they had to say the Balkans, 1995. This episode came out in the fall of 1995. Yeah. Like... It was like earlier this year, mm -hmm. basically. Um, what they could have done. But the bulk of the flashback was Vietnam, and mm -hmm. this episode did a cool thing because we had flashbacks, and this time no McLeod in the flashbacks. Yeah, that was which is is rare. We've seen that. I think I can think of at least one other time we've seen it, and it was involving Amanda. Mm -hmm. Um. 
but it's almost always involves Duncan and this one didn't instead the flashback centered on Joe. Yeah. And that was cool because to this point, very cool. to this point we've, we haven't learned a ton about Joe Dawson, right. in his background. Right. And it's even brought up in dialogue in the episode where Duncan's like, you know, everything say. about me, but I, I know hardly anything about you. Mm-hmm. And so that was really cool. And I like seeing kind of a pre watcher Joe Dawson and we're seeing him, as you know, he the the fact that they lead into it with uh, Cord calling him Boy Scout, and mm-hmm. like so, you you get this sense already of who Dawson was when he was in the Marines, and right. and that's a nice easy shortcut for it. And then I I also uh, I do want to say shout out to uh, friend of the show Roger Bellon. I'm going to call him friend of the show because we interviewed him uh, <laughs> for his Hendrix like music at the beginning yeah. because. It, you you know, like anytime Vietnam is on screen, the Vietnam War, you're going to hear some Hendrix or you're going to hear some, uh, what are some other ones? Um, you know, like uh, the music of that era, Hendrix, Bob yeah. Dylan, um, Creedence Clearwater Revival, something like that, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you like in, instinctively we have this idea of what that music sounds like because we've seen it so many times in film and television. And what, mm-hmm. what he was able to do here was create that feeling without them having to license a song. Yeah. So it definitely was not Jimi Hendrix, but it felt like a Jimi Hendrix style of song. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I liked that. That was cool. And I've yeah. been, ever since that interview, I've been paying more attention to the music that he does per episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm noticing that he doesn't have these reused pieces of music. It's all bespoke per episode. Yeah. And that, that to me is just fascinating. Yeah, he does one more thing a little later, and I'll talk about that because that I thought about that especially with the title of the episode. But sure, yeah, um, he knocks it out this episode for sure. Yeah, but I, I liked the um, the flashbacks. I liked how we set it up, and um, you get kind of this moment where Joe is questioning what's going on, but he he has to follow orders because that's what he does. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't mess with the sergeant or anything. Um, you follow orders. So he's there's there again is the Boy Scout part of him, right? Because he's just right. doing what he's supposed to do, um, even though he knows that what that Marine did was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I liked how that Marine got his uh, got his comeuppance right away. Yeah, <laughs> got taken out by a sniper. So that was that uh-huh. felt good, um, <laughs> and and that sets up that firefight where we learn how Joe lost his legs. Joe Dawson lost his legs because of a landmine in Vietnam. Um, and that whole so scene, one, Joe's got a connection to this immortal mm-hmm. Two, this is where Joe loses his legs canonically in this show. Yep. Daggum. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole, the whole scene where cord comes up to him as he's laying floating in that pool and he's like, no, 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 you're dead. I saw you die. And, and cord's like, I ain't dead. You're, you're in shock type of thing. And then, mm-hmm. then we find out through dialogue, oh, he carried him 16 miles to this field hospital. Yeah. And then in that second flashback, when he finds out that, A, uh, now the doctors are telling him Cord is dead, mm-hmm. but also that he had to lose his legs. And so yeah. he's despondent and he's depressed and he's dealing with all of that. And a guy comes up to him and it just happens to be a young Ian Bancroft. Um, and... There you go. So connection to Immortal mm-hmm. loses his legs. Yep. His Watcher origin story. Holy crap. I and know. they did it well. This again, like we keep saying, 
they fill a lot in this episode, but it does not feel bloated, and it and it works. Like that's the thing. Like you could say this is like I don't know what you would call it, but just like easy writing and just you know kind of let's just throw it all in there. But it all works and makes sense. Like yes, a landmine in Vietnam. That's not any small thing. That's something that we have heard plenty of stories about and that we still are dealing with today. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, that works. Bancroft being there, eh, whatever. But it's like, what other way would Joe feel importance in his life if not for that? No, oh, After yeah. just losing his leg, you know? Bancroft's like, look, I've got something for you, kid. Mm-hmm. So... It's just kind of impressive the, impressive the way they weaved it all in there. Yeah, it's really impressive to be able to fit that much backstory about a single character into an episode, essentially in the flashbacks only, mm-hmm. and for it to not feel rushed. It's just it, like yeah. it, it felt it felt really well executed. Um, so yeah, I dug that completely. Um, I think that's the other thing. Like we've had Joe in the series so long, finally getting something. It's like, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel rushed because it's like, finally we get something about this dude. Yeah. You know, we've seen so much stuff about Duncan and uh, his past and, you know, some of the other immortals that come through, but this other character who's mortal, we find out more about him. Finally. Yep. Yeah, uh, I, I very much enjoyed that. These were good flashbacks, and it's a good way to mm-hmm. use a flashback, again, to tell more story that backs up your current day plot without it having to be directly tied to Duncan mm-hmm. or the events that are going on. Right. And it also fills in backstory for your character. So this is a great yep. way to use the flashbacks. And again... There's not too much going on. Like they use nope. the flashback exactly as long as it needs to be used. No, no extra fat in there at all. Exactly. And there's another thing they did that with. We'll get to in a bit. Um, so yeah, really, really good flashback work in this one. Um, mm-hmm. And it, what it does is it takes an episode that would be good and it makes the episode better. It really mm-hmm. fleshes everything out. So yeah. You hey, don't let me interrupt, man. Well, I just finished, Charlie. Unless you're here for a workout. Oh, no, no. Yesterday was enough for me. Uh, I'm a little rusty. All right, so still no Richie. Um, however, nope. Charlie's back. Yeah, he is. And that was a nice reveal. I, I, um, you know, I knew because I read the synopsis before I watched the episode, so I knew that Charlie was coming back, but that's mm-hmm. one of those where if you don't have those synopses to read and you're just watching the episode, that's a shocker, quite yeah. honestly. Especially with the way he comes back. Like, <laughs> hey, it's Charlie who just shot a man. Yeah. Also, I do like, and this is something that I, I, I meant to mention, I think, last week. But they started doing cold opens now. So they have mm-hmm. they have a little bit of story before the opening credits. And as opposed to just starting straight off with the opening credits. I like that. I like that yeah. because you can set up to have these kind of shocking moments or reveals or something like that right away. And then it's like, now you've got to sit through the credits and digest what you just saw. And so right. from a storytelling standpoint, I really like that, but it's great to have Charlie back. And, mm-hmm. and it's just a, it's a bummer that we had to bring him back to lose him. Yeah. However, what I will say is they gave Charlie a lot 
in this episode and Mm -hmm. we get a definite closure to his story instead of a Charlie's off somewhere else and we don't know what happens to him. So there's, there's a part of me that likes that they at least brought his story full circle and they were able to, to pay off the idea of Duncan would reveal his immortality to Charlie as when Charlie died. Cause he did promise him before he died, he would do that. Right. And while they could have just had Charlie, you know, written him out of the series and he never comes back and all of that, it's, it is nice to kind of pay that off because I think Charlie deserves that. Oh yeah, for sure. He's become such a, a, a stable of a character in this series. But I liked how he came in, and as much as, you know, we see Duncan's side of trying to keep information from him, trying not to tell him everything, I love that Charlie comes in and is still as hard-headed as Duncan. Like, Duncan's Mm -hmm. like, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm here for a reason. That was the reason. Yeah. That's all you need to know. And it's like, both of them are like not talking to each other about what's really going on (laughs) because they're just those two knuckleheads. Yep. Yeah, and and I love the fact that they stayed consistent with him doing mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. Charlie never took crap from Duncan. Mm-hmm. He, but he also knew just how far to push and not step over that line. Like the right because he all he had. There was such a good respect between Charlie and Duncan, and so right. both of them kind of knew right where that that line was that they couldn't that if they crossed it, it would change the dynamic of their, of their relationship. And they never did. Mm -hmm. They always came, right. They they got right up to it. Mm -hmm. Like not just toes up to it. They would get their toes up to it and then turn their foot sideways so they could get just a little bit closer to that line, but they never, (laughs) they never crossed it. For sure. Um, but this was, this was emotional because the last time we saw Charlie, he had found something that meant a great deal to him. And it was enough mm-hmm. for him to leave his home and go with this person and go fight, you know, for a cause. Mm-hmm. And so to to have that so, be the last time we saw him and then he comes back and he's lost that now. Well, not here's the thing. He found two things to leave for a cause and a person to be with. Mm-hmm. With yes. Mara and both of those things are taken away from him. So you can understand why a person like Charlie, who is well-skilled and well-equipped, is going to be somebody who's going to go after who did that. Yeah, and Cord puts it remorse. perfectly. Yeah, and Cord puts it perfectly where he where he says, you know, he's like us. He doesn't back down. He doesn't right. go away. And that's mm-hmm. just not, that's not who Charlie is. So he's going after this guy. Now, he has no idea who Cord is or what right. he is. And, you know. There's, there's the whole thing where like Dawson or McLeod could have just told him and Mm -hmm. it might have saved him from dying. Right. But I also think that that was an important distinction because it's, it's something that Duncan never told Charlie because he met Charlie after Tessa died and that wound was so fresh and he didn't want to, he didn't want to put that burden on Charlie. So he just never would tell him and he'd just try to right. like, he would, he was friends with him, but he kind of still kept him at arm's length. And I mean, let's face it. He just barely told Anne who was 
the newest love of his life. Duncan's not going to tell that to anybody less than that. Right. Exactly. As, as much of a friendship and bond as he has with Charlie, he's still going to keep that yeah. uh, away from Charlie and hopefully keep Charlie away from that world. Unfortunately, by not telling him. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't work because Charlie's just too hard-headed and he's going to go mm-hmm. after, especially given the situation that Charlie was in. He was not right. going to back down. And so, and there was a, it was just a very emotional episode dealing with Charlie because here he is trying to figure all this out. He's confused. He, he's finally, he's seeing his friends again. And like the scene where he comes into the bar right before Cord gets there and yeah. Dawson's reaction was like, what are you doing here? And I love, I love the reaction because it's perfect for Charlie where he's like, I thought I was welcome. Like he doesn't, yeah. un- he has no idea why, why Joe would act that way towards him. Mm-hmm. And the scene where he comes into the bar later to talk to Joe, when he leaves, he understands where Joe is coming from. Right. He doesn't agree with it, but he understands where Joe is coming from. And I think that's the thing with Charlie that made him the character that he was is he might not agree with Duncan. He might not agree with Dawson, but he can, he can understand some of that. And, and that's, that's powerful. And honestly, I think if Cord wasn't right outside that door, then I think Charlie would have walked away. He might have at that point. After Joe telling him that, and just, you know, that, that thing between military guys, when they're like, Oh, okay. I get where you're coming from. You know, he at le- at the very least he was not looking for cord anymore at right. that moment. Mm-hmm. Now, how long that would have lasted, who knows? But he wasn't right. he wasn't going after him at that moment. But mm-hmm. cord cord changed things, and then the fight with him and cord on the rooftop. What I liked about that was Charlie was outmatched, but he didn't know it, and. Mm-hmm he put up as good a fight as he could. And I think, you know, it could have gone either way, but there, obviously there's no way he's going to, he's going to kill cord with a knife, but he doesn't right. know that. And then for Duncan to find him the way that he did was heartbreaking. And that mm-hmm. scene was very emotional. Yeah, it was. Um, and it was great for closure for the character of Charlie DeSalvo to finally find out what, Duncan, why Duncan was the way he was. Mm-hmm. And then they had, you know, the little montage of, of moments with Charlie and that what they did there was great because it was just long enough. That mm-hmm. little kind of remembrance of Charlie DeSalvo was just long enough to, to still drive home the emotion, but not overstay its welcome. Right. And mm-hmm. also show, show their first interaction, which was not super pleasant. Like, no, it was Charlie with his attitude. And it's like, that's who Charlie was. Mm-hmm. So like impressive that the producers and editors saw fit to put that part of Charlie in there in Duncan's, you know, I assume Duncan's remembrance yeah. kind of thing. I thought that was nice too. Yeah, it really, really was. Um, and you know, it was, it's hard to call it a fitting ending for the character, but I think that it was an emotionally powerful ending uh, mm-hmm. for a character who was in basically one and a half seasons um, and right. not in every episode for one and a half seasons. So, mm-hmm. but he was, he was a good, strong character that had, uh, 
a different type of relationship with Duncan from anybody else that was in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Because he had like a, a buddy, buddy friend relationship with Duncan without knowing about his immortality. Yeah. The closest we have to that is maybe Maurice, but Maurice and Duncan's dynamic is in entirely different Yeah, from, from the type of dynamic that he has with Charlie. So yeah, that was good stuff. And then Joe, Joe gets a lot in this episode too. And what I like about this is once again, Jim Burns just crushing it with his acting mm -hmm. because he, he's struggling with, with what's going on with, with how he feels about cord and what his past is with him. And then his friendship with Duncan mm -hmm. and to an extent, his friendship with Charlie. Yeah. And you can see him over the course of the episode realizing who Cord really is. Right. And, but still like, even though he's figured that part out and he sort of understands that Cord isn't a good guy, even though he just, he, he owes him and he can't, mm -hmm. he can't turn his back on that. That's a, that's a right. bond that goes so deep that it's hard for him to just break away from that. Yep. Um, I will say too, his acting in talking with Duncan, talking with Cord, like, Sometimes you get the feeling of knowing that Joe knows that Duncan could kill somebody easily mm -hmm. or knowing that this other immortal could possibly kill Duncan easily. I honestly could not tell from the way he was acting, which one he thought would win. He just yeah. knows he'd lose somebody like, and that was, that was impactful for me thinking, okay, the way Jim Burns is acting, I cannot tell who he thinks is going to die. He knows somebody is, yep. and I'm probably, and the way he's acting is like, he's probably not sure which one it is, but he knows if they go at it, somebody's dying. Well, and not only that, but then like, he doesn't want to lose Duncan because mm -hmm. he's grown to be a very close friend of Duncan's, but he doesn't want Cord to get killed because of what he owes Cord in terms of like, not only just his actual physical life, but his, his, his livelihood as a watcher. Right. And then that scene at the end where he comes into the dojo and talking to Duncan, the emotion on Jim Burns' face in that scene, because he knows, he understands that his connection to Cord caused Charlie to get killed when he shouldn't mm -hmm. have. Right. And his connection to Cord caused Duncan to kill him out of out of anger so it's like he understands like when joe says you know it's all his fault he means that he he honestly feels responsibility for everything that's happened and then for mm -hmm. duncan to react the way that he did and basically tell him in no uncertain terms we can't be friends anymore is basically what duncan right. tells him and you can just mm -hmm. see oh you can see how dawson just feels like he just got kicked in the in the gut yeah it's it's a powerful My moment my one nitpick with this episode is I wish that scene was out at a plot for Char Charlie's funeral. Yeah. Now I understand it's probably just a budget thing. They couldn't swing that and they mm -hmm. needed to just do it in the dojo. That's fine. But if it had been out by the actual burial, you know, Duncan at the graveside, Joe coming up and them having that conversation there. Yeah. I, and can I don't see think that. they needed to do it any different, but yeah. Yeah, it was it was heavy. And like, you know, just like you said, Joe admitting that this is his fault and Duncan not 
letting him off the hook at all. Just no. be like, yeah. And, you know, because we're friends, that's why I let Cord live. That's why Charlie's dead. Mm-hmm. And then now that's why Cord's dead. Cause he's not going to, I was not going to let him, him survive right. after that. Sure. So yeah, Joe, it's kind of your fault, but it's my fault for letting my guard down, being a friend to you. And that was the thing that I liked about it is you had, you had Joe, you know, blaming himself and Duncan, Duncan didn't necessarily blame Joe, but he also Mm -hmm. didn't remove responsibility from him. He's like, look, it's as much my fault as it is yours, but it's both of us. We, we cross that line. We're different. We need to stay different. Mm-hmm. and just the hurt in Joe's face at that moment yeah, where he's like, I just lost a friend and had another friend get killed and had, you know, a guy who saved my life get killed by a friend of mine. Like it, so much happened mm. for him there. Yeah. So excellent, excellent work from Jim Burns and Charlie DeSalvo and, um, yeah. and you know, Philip, Philip Aiken, uh, we're going to miss him because he was great. Uh, in every episode that he was in, you know, he, he got the short end of the, he got the short change in terms of some of the episodes that Charlie was focused on. Uh, unfortunately mm-hmm. the zone and the one with the, the baby, um, were yeah. not the best episodes, but it wasn't Charlie's fault, right? It okay. wasn't the fault of Phil Aiken and it wasn't the fault of the character. So, right. and you know, he gets closure uh, and a good emotional moment. Um, and it gives Duncan some motivation. Mm-hmm. So, it's tough stuff, but it's uh, it's also very good. Yeah, well done. So there was no way I could have killed that son of a bitch. No, but I can. So our final fight, um, we had a couple of short fights again. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that I like the knife fight was cool. Um, I liked that because that was a. I liked how it was mostly kind of one shot. Mm-hmm. Um, there weren't a lot of cuts to it, and it was the choreography of that particular knife fight between Charlie and Cord was um, kind of frenetic and and not um, like it's it's two really emotional people going at it, um, right? And I liked that because it felt like like you got Charlie who's out for revenge, and he just he's just seeing red. He can't help it. He just right. wants this dude dead. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Cord, who's kind of toying with him a little bit. Yeah. So that was cool. Um, the fight in the dojo was, uh, what I liked about that one was after last week's episode and seeing Duncan using the big Claymore and all that, he's back to his sword and his fighting mm-hmm. style. And in that yeah. fight, you kind of get this feel like he's not putting everything into it. Mm-hmm. Um, Duncan's kind of playing with him a little bit and like, I'm just going to do enough to beat this guy, but I'm not going to take his head. We definitely get some, uh, smiling Duncan in this fight. Absolutely. Um, and, and again, it's choreographed really well. I think, um, Mm -hmm. I don't know what kind of a background Wolfgang, uh, had in terms of fighting, but he seemed like he had a good, he seemed like he had a little bit of a fencing background. Yeah. He seemed to know what he was doing. Um, you know, and he's in great physical shape. And so I liked that they used, they did a tropey um, up the staircase thing. Yeah. I thought was great. Um, but they utilized the space really well. And then for the mm-hmm. last fight, Duncan shows up and now we've got pissed off Duncan and he's not mm-hmm. messing around. 
and he is yep. he is not going to draw this fight out or anything. He gets it all. It's quick. It's efficient. Um, once he gets the lay of the land and once he gets cored out in the open, he d- he takes mm-hmm. care of him very quickly. So yeah, he does. Again, different versions of Duncan and kind of he's not toying with him this time. He's not having fun. He's mm-hmm. he's smiling though. He's enjoying what he's about to do. Um, right. But he he definitely does not. Uh, he's economical in his fighting in that last fight. Mm-hmm. So it was good. And then you know we get a, a quickening, a nice, yep, quick short one actually. It wasn't a very long yeah. quickening. Back um, to our regular quickenings where the bodies stay on the floor. <laughs> yes, yes, I did notice that. Um, all in all, this is a good episode. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, it's like a, it's like a quarter step, half step down from last week. Cause that, la- that episode to kick off the season was so good. Um, yeah. but this is still, you know, very, very solid episode. They, they managed to pack a ton into it, um, without it again, feeling bloated. And we get to learn more about Joe Dawson and mm-hmm. bringing back Charlie when you don't have Richie around. Um, so we get up for another familiar face, which again helps because now we don't have to introduce this character and give a bunch of stuff with that. We can bring in somebody who the audience already knows. Mm-hmm. And then to one to more make... little, uh, Oh, go ahead. I just wanted to give one more little sh- shout out to, uh, Roger Bellon. Um, you mentioned the, you know, almost sounding like 60s stuff that he did at the beginning of the flashback. Mm-hmm. The one other thing I was looking for this entire episode is the song by Dire Straits, Brother in Arms. Oh, yes. Because of the title. And when Joe and Charlie have drinks and Charlie gets it and then walks out, it almost sounds like the beginning of that song. You know what? For like a half second. You're right. And I there's a little and I that. listened to the song and I was like, nope, it's not exactly that. It's it's uh, Roger doing that almost, mm-hmm. but just enough not to be it. I'm sure they probably, I'm willing to bet they probably wanted to get the license for the song and just couldn't for whatever reason. Probably. Um, I, I but see just that, that little subtlety, I wanted to hear more of it, though, because I love that <laughs> song. But yeah. I was just like, okay, that's cool. I mean, we, you know, when we interviewed him, it was really interesting to hear about how the music was done for this show. And so, mm-hmm. like, I've been paying a lot more attention to it since then. And yeah, the, those are the things that you notice is they don't mm-hmm. reuse music. And yeah, that's that's a good one. That's a good catch. Yeah. Because thinking back on it, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And you're right. It's it's almost there. And it's enough to remind you of it, even if you're not thinking mm-hmm. about it. If you know the song. It's enough you know the to, song, to... Like, oh, oh. and then the, and then the way they transition to that into Charlie walking out of the bar and mm-hmm. walking up to Cord and Cortani and I'm like, oh my gosh, it was like oh, you talking about him doing this stuff at the beginning of the six. It's like okay, that makes a lot more sense in how well that music transition was. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's just they having having Charlie back and. And simplifying things, distilling it down so that we have basically four characters in this episode means Mm -hmm. that we don't have to spend a ton of time giving background and fleshing out the characterization of everyone, right? Because we know Duncan, we know Joe, and we know Charlie. Mm -hmm. Three quarters of the people on screen we know, so you can spend the time to give enough to Cord, Mm -hmm. but also because Cord has an attachment to Dawson, we're getting more out of Dawson now too. 
Yeah. So there's all that kind of stuff going on. Using the flashback to to flesh out Dawson's story more and show us where and how he became part of the Watcher organization at all, how he lost mm-hmm. his legs. By the way, the legs thing. Um, so this was funny. This was a, I, when uh, I remember on the DVDs in front of a lot of episodes as the series went on, they would have a short little interview with Peter Davis and Bill Panzer, the producers, and occasionally nice. David Abramovitz as well. And mm-hmm. one of them, they had, it was Davis and Panzer were sitting there and they were talking. I cannot remember which episode it was, and I want to try and find the clip for it. But they're talking about Jim Burns, and they mention how he lost his legs. And the one one of them was like, yeah, he, lost, he, he stepped on a landmine in Vietnam, and they kind of had to stop. And he's like, no, 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 that's what happened to Joe Dawson in the show. Jim Burns <laughs> lost his legs because of a car accident. But they had forgotten that and just remembered it as what happened to Joe Dawson. And that just cracks me up every that's time hilarious. I think about it. So, um, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed this episode. This was a great, a great Mm -hmm. follow-up too. like, because again, an emotional episode after a fairly emotional episode to start the season off. Enjoy is a weird word to talk about this kind of episode because it's, yes, we like it because it's such a good Highlander episode. You know, it nails everything Mm -hmm. that a Highlander episode should nail it has the sword fights it has flashbacks whoever they are about the flashbacks aren't don't overstay their welcome mm-hmm. we get all the story we need but we lose a character we love yes yeah yeah enjoy you're right enjoy is a weird word to use i do i do enjoy it yeah but oh yeah but it's rough no, i get it too like it's it's rough to lose charlie but but also they're really, other than never bringing him back, there really isn't another way that Charlie can go out. The way that that character mm-hmm. was, it's the only, it's the only way I could be satisfied to have him permanently written out of the show. Yeah, is for him to finally find out about Duncan, and they were only going to do that if Charlie was dying. Unfortunately, yeah. So, is this is uh, another one of the? I mean, look, we're in probably the best season season or two stretch of the show with four and five and they mm-hmm. they hit it they hit the ground running coming right out of the gate with yeah. this one yeah so they did. The, these first two episodes are great and next week's episode is the innocent uh episode three and richie's back nice that's all i'll say about that i saw <laughs> i did look at something so i know i know something else that's going to be in this which i am super excited about but um but we'll talk about that next week um, All right. So now, if you enjoy uh, listening to Audie and I talk about this show, and you want to watch us record it live, you can. Uh, we record yeah. Tuesday nights, nine p.m. Eastern time at Twitch.tv/tvstravis. Be like Danny Ora, be like Ace, um, and and hang out in our chat. The show comes out as a podcast on Thursdays at Anchor.fm/Let's Watch Highlander, and uh, and you did. Uh, I loved the art this week. And mm-hmm. I was really curious where you're going to go, what direction, because I didn't think the sword would be it, even though it was a pretty cool looking cavalry type sword, sort of a mm-hmm. sort of an officer sword. It almost felt like. Yeah. But it didn't feel narratively like that had the, the punch. So then I mm-hmm. thought, OK, where, where's he going to go? Maybe an AK because the whole that's what cords sold them were defective AK-47s. Like right. I kept thinking, but then you you went with the knife. And for mm-hmm. the emotional impact, that was a good one. 
That was yeah. a, that was a good one. The knife that got Charlie. Um, yeah, I, I figured for Charlie, that's that was the one I needed to do. So yeah, that was the antag- antagonistic weapon of choice. Yes. Which, so. by the way, was a pain in the butt trying to figure out what knife he had. Because like, <laughs> it, yeah. it looks like a M7, mm-hmm. which was a standard issue bayonet uh, weapon during Vietnam and, you know, other stuff. But it looks like it was modified. So, like, it doesn't have the same uh, guard on it. So Yeah. Now, what would have been appropriate for the character if he had stayed as a Marine the whole time instead of, cause I think having like a Marine K bar would have made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. However, it also makes sense that he wouldn't necessarily keep using that because he's not really, he's not that person anymore. Right. But I know that's, if I were yeah. the prop master, that's probably what I would have tried to get is a K bar. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's it's hard to tell. Like that, that's my guess of what it was and why mm-hmm. I drew it the way I did. But sure, just a little bit of time he had it and he was throwing it around and swinging it around. It's hard to get a re- real good read on it, yeah, at all. So that's what I, but I it was did. a great one. And and you post that art on Twitter too. So, where, yeah, what your, your Twitter is again for, for those that at, don't know at oddly normal one with the one spelled out, yeah. And you put up the picture that you do each week there. Mm-hmm. Um, I am on Twitter as TV's Travis and either one of us love to talk Highlander with anybody. Um, yeah. So hit us up on Twitter. Um, you know, we'll talk Highlander or anything else. In fact, we're going to be talking Highlander, the animated series pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, when we get closer to that, we'll, we'll say more about it. But, uh, Audie and I are going to be guests on a show, uh, talking about Highlander, the animated series. Uh, so that should be fun. <laughs> That'll be fun. Cause we just can't get enough talking about Highlander. <laughs> yep. Now, before we go, I do have one more confessional about this episode in particular. Okay. So here's the thing. It's been a long time since I've actually watched Highlander. So there's a some of it I remember. Uh-huh. Some of it I don't. Some sure. of it apparently was really jumbled in my head because <laughs> till this episode, I thought Charlie was another Richie that comes back as an immortal. Oh. Like in yeah. my head... I somehow mix them up. <laughs> and so, so when had... Charlie dies and then I'm looking up, I'm like, oh yeah, this was, oh, this was his last episode. Hmm. Son of a bee. So you had it in your head that he was, he was in more episodes, huh? That's interesting. Yeah. I was waiting for him to get killed so he could be an immortal and start training with Duncan and stuff. I wonder, cause I think later in this season, we're going to see Carl Robinson again. If you mm-hmm. remember him from the the episode where he was the freed slave and then the baseball player, yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if he somehow conflated Charlie and him a little bit, in that it's the Maybe. same season. It's interesting. I did not, yeah, because I definitely remembered, did, never remembered Charlie as an immortal, but I didn't remember exactly how he exited the series. Yeah, I didn't remember obviously either. Yeah, um, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I just conflated him and Richie's story in my head. That could be too. After not seeing it so long, so. Well, you know, I mean, it's a show that's almost 30 years old, so it's possible. <laughs> yeah. And it's been, you know, 25, 27 years since this episode aired, you know. Right. So how many opportunities have you had before now to rewatch it? Maybe one or two, mm. maybe. If you watch right. Spike TV in the early 2000s, that's about it. Mm-hmm. Until it hit streaming services, so. 
That can happen. Well, uh, nope, Charlie's not an immortal and he's not coming back. I'm sorry. Oh, hum. <laughs> but Richie's back next week, so that's going to be cool. Because we haven't seen Richie for a few episodes now. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. So that's going to be next week, episode three, The Innocent uh, and, mm. and the return of Richie Ryan. Nice. So until then, until next week in episode three, just remember that there can be only one Charlie DeSalvo. Pour one out for Charlie. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>